Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jay Zygmunt. He is the founder of Child Free Wealth, and he has a website, childfreewealth.com, and he's put out a new book called Portraits of Child Free Wealth, stories about how being children uh, impacts your life, wealth, and finances. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Jay. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's just start with a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today as being the world's leading expert on going child-free. Well, I think uh, my background in finance is a little different than most. I came out of actually healthcare and academia. My work is, my PhD is around adult learning and coming out of the coaching world and became a CFP. And one of the interesting things to me was when I was becoming a CFP, there was never once a mention of being child-free. It just doesn't exist in literature. And I define child-free as people who don't have kids and aren't planning on having kids. All the financial literature says, hey, you know, before or after kids, but there's no way for it to be without. So I started researching this. My wife and I, we're, we're child-free and we're both PhD. So, you know, we're a little weird by our own nature, but I want to know how weird we are in the big picture. And the answer was, hey, it turns out about 25% of the U.S. are child-free or permanently childless and their finances are completely different so i'm trying to you know get out there and talk to child free people about their finances and talk to financial people about being child free so let's talk about a young couple that's thinking of having a child what are some of the financial considerations they should make in deciding whether or not to have a child about one third of people that are child free choose they say they're child free because of finances you know, here in the U.S. right now, there's no surprise, income disparities, housing costs, all that. It's pricey. It's about a little over $300,000 over 17 years to raise a child. And that's a lot of money. I mean, it, it just is. I mean, to be frank, the child-free community, we're not looking to recruit people to become child-free. We're not trying to say you should or shouldn't have kids. We're just saying if you are child-free, it's a, it makes a difference to your life and your finances. Is there the other side, is there a financial reward to having children, particularly in your older years when you need them to take care of you? You know, I got kind of a love-hate thing with this question we always get. Well, if you're child-free, who's going to take care of you when you're older? And the problem with that is there's an assumption in there that that kids are going to take care of you or be your safety net. And let, let me give you the real numbers. So the U.S. Census looked at adults over 65 and found out that for childless adults, 2.5% got any financial support from their family. So that's pretty low, I, I, I get it. But in the same study they found in adults over 55 in the US, parents, only 1.5% got any financial support from their family. So in actuality, parents got less support than we did as child-free folks. Now you hear today uh, that this is gonna be the greatest transfer of wealth ever in history as the baby boomers who are now in their 60s and 70s eventually die and you know retire. When they die, they're going to be passing trillions of dollars on to their kids. If you don't have any kids, there's nobody to pass it on to. What, what do you think about that? You know, I don't really buy this transfer of wealth concept. And, and part of it is because 
much of the baby boomer generation is not ready for long-term care and for the medical costs that it comes in. You know, so much so that actually part of, we have what we call the no baby steps for child-free financial planning. One of our no baby steps, number seven, is actually planning for mom and dad because the reality check is boomers are going to need support, not necessarily going to just be passing money on. And I think, you know, when you look at long-term care costing $108,000 a year, men using 2.2 years of care and women 3.7, that's where a lot of the money's gonna go. Now for child-free folks, a lot of the child-free folks, really we're looking at living a life we call die with zero. We're trying to give away our, and spend our money throughout our life. It's not about passing it on to another generation. So they don't have that obligation that uh, you, know, you have. Is there some kind of a guilt in society today? You really should be having children and contributing to society and you're being selfish by not having kids? Oh, I get this selfish thing all the time. And it's kind of interesting to me. You know, we call it pronatalist bias. So there's a bias that says you need to have kids. You know, if you think about the standard life plan, it says you go to school, you get married, you have kids, you work 25 years, you retire, pass to the next generation. It's just part of the culture. And what happens is people judge child-free folks say, oh, you know, well, you're selfish because you're not having kids. And we go, okay, maybe, I don't know if we are or not. But I can, what I can tell you is child-free folks have put a whole lot more thought into you know, whether they should have kids or shouldn't, whether it makes sense for them, how does it impact the environment, how does it in fact impact you know, their life, medical issues, all the other things. And some people it's by choice, some people it's not, but it's a different way of life. It's not better or worse. Some would also say that uh, we're becoming an older population because we're not having enough kids to replace a population. It was what, like 2.1 kids per couple to uh, replace the population and we're way below that as our other countries in Germany and China and Japan and other places are not replacing their population as a result of this they're going to have a huge crisis by having too many old people not enough young people to support them is that a, a real issue it, it's a real issue I mean Japan's a great example of it, but I would argue the issue is not with the child free folks the issue is with the system you know, if you look at the U.S., our system is based on constant growth. Constant growth does not work for the environment. Constant growth does not work for much of anything. The only thing that constantly grows is bacteria. You know, instead, if we had a system that had a balance and understood, okay, you know, we have limited resources, we have to live within that, we wouldn't need to be pushing for constant, you know, population growth or constant having kids. And that's part of the issue we're dealing with as child-free folks is, you know, people saying, oh, well, I, I had somebody, so I posted on uh, Facebook and in the comments, somebody said, well, you agreed to these policies, so you need to have kids so that we have taxpayers and warriors. And I'm like, no, I don't have to have kids. But also, guess what? That's a problem with the policy. That's not a problem with people having kids or not. But there is a guilt factor, right? It's like you're not contributing to society. So you're saying I'm not contributing to society. I pay taxes the same exact way. <laughs> I make my, my contribution just in a different way. It's not through a genetic contribution. It is through a different path. And then there's a lot of people who have kids who shouldn't be having kids. You know, teen pregnancies and all kinds of impoverished people have four and five kids. It just seems like it's totally unbalanced. The people with a lot of big families can't afford them. And the people who can afford them have no families, no, no kids. No, and, and that's your judgment. I, I actually don't judge people on having kids or not. You know, it's, it's up to them, it's up to their life, and it's up to their, li their life financial plan. Yeah. There are tax incentives to have kids. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. You know, that you know, we don't get the tax child tax credit, all that. But I mean, let's be real. The child tax credit, you know, three thousand, thirty six hundred bucks, whatever it is at the moment, is doesn't cover the eighteen thousand dollars it costs for the year to, to raise a kid on average. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it went away and a lot of people complained that uh, the parents are now going to have to stay home with the kids because they, before they could work because of the child tax credit and that uh, child care is so expensive and the government should help them with that. I mean, there's a lot of complaints that the government is not doing enough to help people raise kids. Well, and, and that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it and say, okay, we need to, you know, as a society, be able to support each other and grow. That may be in, you know, having kids. It may also just be in finding ways to support each other. Like, for example, the elderly folks you were talking about that are going to need some serious support in their, in their elder years. Yeah. You don't think there's an argument about overall not having enough young people to support the older people? I mean, as you said, Japan is a real issue, but they have huge social costs. And China is the same way because they had the one-child policy for so many years. They have a huge so, elderly population, not enough young people to support them. So your answer would be then constant growth. So we have to constantly grow the population. How do you square that with the environmental impacts, the you know, the economic impacts, all the others of constant growth? Yeah, well, I mean, that is kind of built into society that we have constant growth, I agree with you. And that has implications for the climate and using resources and so on. I, I agree with you completely, but it's built so, so, into so, so here's my thing. That, so like, for example, we take Social Security. Social Security is broken, okay? Social Security requires constant growth of younger population to pay for the older population. The system's broken. The answer is not, let's have more kids. Let's fix uh -huh. the system. Okay, so let's talk about Social Security for a minute. How would you fix Social Security? Well, that's way above my uh, pay grade, but I think, I think our whole picture of Social Security as a safety net we need to either choose as a country if that's a priority for us or not. And if it is, then we need to fund it. But we need to not fund it not off of the backs of the next generation or the growth of the next generation, but fund it as a priority if that's a priority for us, which I think it should be, but that's my personal vote. That doesn't mean it should be the same for everybody else. Well, some would say you have to raise the retirement age, you have to increase the tax base, you have to cut cost of living increases. You gotta do a lot of things to save Social Security from plunging off a cliff in roughly 10 years. I, I think we do. I mean, when I talk to my clients, I actually encourage them. You know, so I have younger clients, I have people in their 20s, 30s, 40s. And to them, I say, don't count on Social Security being there or at least count on it being partial of what it was because unless we do something quickly, there's going to be a problem. But I don't think the solution is, hey, let's just have more kids randomly. Do you think there's the political will uh, to revise Social Security so it has a stronger financial base? I don't know. Right now, I'm pretty jaded on the political stuff, and uh, I'm not sure we can make any progress right now on some of the big issues. And, you know, that's just the facts of where we're at. The problem is we're, we're really living in an environment of brinksmanship, and we don't fix things until, you know, we're falling off the cliff. You know, we've got a lot of issues ahead of us, and Social Security just being one of them. So what is going to happen? Say that you're right, that there is no political will, nothing particularly is done and we reach that crossover point in roughly 2032, 2033, whatever the Social Security people say, what happens then? Their, their prediction is about 73% of payments, which the problem is most folks don't have enough retirement savings to make them through if we don't have Social Security. And 
at some point we're going to have to make some tough decisions. It's just a matter of which decision it is, and I just don't think it is, oh, let's have more kids. Having more kids right now isn't going to fix the situation of, you know, income inequalities. Um, I mean, minimum wage is where it's been for 14 years, housing expensive than other. You know, Social Security is just one of the problems. Yeah, so it, it, it's going to fall off a cliff is basically what you're saying, and the young people can't save it anyway. Yes. Well, you tell me how to save Social Security. If you know that one, I'll, I'll run you for office. Well, I think you have to raise the retirement age. I think you have to raise the cap on which taxes are paid. Uh, you probably have to cut back on the COLA and benefits in, in various ways. It's a combination of things which over time would certainly extend its life, which is not – nobody wants to deal with the third rail of politics these days. But well, that's the problem is all those are reasonable – the reasonable discussions, but come on, who's going to say, oh, yeah, by the way, we're cutting your Social Security benefits and we're taxing you more? Let that, that's what we're having trouble with. Well, if somebody were truthful, they would say that. But I guess Congress people can't be truthful because they would get thrown out of office, which is their main purpose in life. Maybe. So anyway, we're going to have a break uh, right now. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answers Show. My guest this hour is Jay Zygmunt. He's the founder of Child Free Wealth. You can find out more about him at his website, childfreewealth.com. And he also has a book called Portraits of Child-Free Wealth, stories about how being child-free impacts your life, wealth, and finances. We'll be back after this. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's gonna be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is gonna be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jay Zygmunt. He is the founder of Child Free Wealth. His website is childfreewealth.com, and his book is called Portraits of Child Free Wealth, Stories About How Being Child Free Impacts Your Life, 
wealth and finances. Welcome back to the show, Jay. Hey, I'm glad to be back and you know, we'll hopefully have a good discussion like we did the first section. So are there times when having children really does pay off financially? I mean, the children you know, become Bill Gates or something and do really, really well and make the parents' life much easier. I suppose so, but you know what? It's a whole lot cheaper to buy a, a lot of ticket for mega millions and uh, you probably <laughs> have the same odds. Most kids don't make it big, you're saying. <laughs> the, the numbers just aren't there. You know, if you think you're gonna have the next NBA star, uh, it's not there. So you shouldn't count on that, you're saying? I didn't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so in general, how does being child-free impact your life? If you have no kids to take care of, it's your lifestyle, how is that? Well, I think you would say it makes it better, but you know, how, how does that affect your lifestyle? You know, I don't really get judgmental on better or worse. I think it's just different. You know, the way we look at it is living a life of child-free wealth means you have time, money, and freedom. It does not mean you're rich. You know, I've got people that, you know, are child-free and, you know, their big goal was to move from a air mattress to a real bed. And I got other people that are living, you know, the jet set life and having a good time. I think it's just a different way of life. And, and I, that flexibility and being able to go where you want, change where your life goes, it ends up in a different set of both life and financial conditions. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of parents say, yes, it's difficult, but I would, would never have given it up for anything. It's, it's an experience that makes me a, a whole person in the long run to have children, as difficult as it may be. Do you agree with that? For them, maybe. For us, it's not something you know we think about. You know, People often ask us, well, what about if you regret it? You know, I'd much rather not have a kid and regret it than have a kid and regret it. Mm -hmm. Which does happen a lot, right? I have no clue. I don't study parents, but I have heard the stories. And how about divorce? Is there a difference in divorce rates between child-free and child-bearing parents? The interesting uh, difference is actually in marriage. So if you look at the stats of the adults over 55, again from the census, 32.1% of childless folks never married versus 2.5% of parents. You know, where child-free folks are living in what we would call alternative family structures, which might be a couple not married, might be in a group, might be in a friend group, a romantic group, whatever it is, or single, and that is different. I think what you see in the in the child-free world is people go, well, I want to get married, and you know, ignore the um, love and the the other reasons for getting married. But the number one reason they get married is actually for healthcare benefits. If mm -hmm. there weren't healthcare benefits because uh, of marriage, you might even see a lower rate. A lot of women are, are waiting later to have kids because they want to have their careers established in their 20s and early 30s. Do you think that's a, a healthy thing for them to do? I think everybody should be conscious about the decision they make to have kids or not. You know, if they want to put it off till later or whatever it is, that's their choice. You know, some people, it's not by choice, you know, and that's okay too. It's, it's just a different lifestyle. It's not better or worse. But I'm just saying financially, uh, they, they delay childhood or, you know, having kids because they want to have a solid career that they can come back to later um, and feel a sense of independence. They might not if they're just a, you know, just a home, home maker, I guess you might say, just bringing up the kids only. Yeah, and those aren't people I serve, so I frankly wouldn't know. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so you have something called the file movement. 
uh, which stands for Financial Independence li Live Early. There is what's called the, fi the FIRE movement, which is Financial Independence Retire Early. Tell us a little bit about the FIRE movement and how that works or doesn't work with the FIRE movement. Yeah, so there's two parts that I see very commonly in child-free folks. One is, you know, they, they have a, a, a want to die with zero or as close as they can get. You know, it's not about passing on an international generational wealth. And they don't really care about retiring. So that's where file comes from. It's the concept of finding the right work at the right time, at the right speed, in the right place in life. And, and to compare it with fire, you know, that's really about retirement being an on-off switch for work. File is more kind of a dimmer switch. Let me find that balance. You know, there's a gentleman in my book, Ryan talks about it. He retired, kind of got bored, went back, started his own marketing company. He never works before 10, no more than 25 hours a week and never on Fridays. That's a pretty good life and he's enjoying it and working, you know, doing the job from whatever beach he's at that time. You know, I, retirement's no longer a goal and it changes you, both your life and financial plan. Yeah, so you're, you're saying you can't really do that with kids. You can't do the live early with, with kids. It's just harder. You know, I mean, there are those people who can embrace the same thing, but the numbers you need, you know, the math is just harder. I mean, I got child-free folks, you get the, the old school term, they call them dinks, dual income, no kids, where they really can live on one salary. And then, you know, one person can grow, one person provides support, an approach we call the gardener and the rose. Well, if you have kids, that's very hard. You've got expenses and, and you know, things pulling at your time that, Child-free folks don't. Do you think people underestimate the cost of having kids when they have them in the first place? I'm not sure that for most people, having kids is a financial decision. You know, if you listen to, to the financial pundits, um, you know, the Dave Ramsey's of the world, Dave Ramsey has financial planning for everything, but for kids, he says, well, it's whatever God's will, and um, there's no financial plan for it. So underestimate or, or don't even estimate. You're a CFP. Should people have a financial plan before they have kids? You know, if including kids and, and plan for that three hundred thousand. I think you need to have a plan for all of your money throughout your life. And if you're having kids, that's part of it. Or if you don't have kids, it needs to reflect that. What kind of burden does going to college with student loans have on the parents these days? Because in many cases, the parents are taking on as many loans as the kids with the parent plus loans. And the parents have to pay off their loans for another 30 years while they're starting in their 50s or something. What is the burden on parents of having student loans for their kids these days? You know, there's some interesting discussion right now of parents putting off their retirements because they're paying for student loans and other things. And something interesting happened with this redo of the student loans and this new SAVE plan. Parent PLUS loans specifically did not qualify. And it's really interesting. Uh, they changed the payment structure for all the other student loans, but not for Parent Plus. Um, and, and I've, you know, I've worked with people, you know, remember I come out of academia, I've worked with people that, you know, have hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans that are going to have to be paid off before they can live their life. And, and that's hard. I mean, I just, I, I don't know how you come out of college with a mortgage payment. And if you're a parent and you've taken it on for your kid, you've essentially got two. So if you're a financial planner for a, 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 some parents, that have a kid going to college, would you say they should not take out loans for their kid? I'll tell you, I don't care who it is. My answer is you should not be taking out student loans at all. 
you know, you need to if if you're looking at education and saying, hey, you know, is there a return on investment? There's some really interesting math that says once you figure in the cost of the student loans and other things, it's not there. I'm more of a fan of you know what they call hack schooling. You know, call you know, finding different ways to get the same solution. Like for example, you can test out of two years of college using CLEP exams, and if you go to like modernstates.org, they will actually train you, you know, you'll get the practice for the exams, but they'll also pay for the exams. You get two, two years of college for free. Well, if you get two years of college for free, you can pay for the rest out of pocket. Um, it's just, you have to think about it differently. I think student loans have just made it too easy for somebody that's, you know, 18 to sign up for $100,000 in loans that is going to saddle them for the rest of their life. And they don't really realize what they're getting into, or they don't even think about the repayment part. Look, let's be real. You and I at 18 were making stupid mistakes, okay? I don't think an 18, you know, me or you at 18 should have been making a $100,000 decision. Never mind, you know, some loans are a whole lot more than that. Yeah. Now, recently we had this case where uh, President Biden wanted to forgive $400 billion worth of student loans, 10000 for some people, up to 20000 if they had Pell Grants, and then the Supreme Court reversed it, and now they're trying to go back at it again. What do you think of that whole situation? I mean, some people who don't didn't go to college think it's unfair that we subsidize people who do go to college. How, how do you come out in that whole debate? You know, the whole student loan system is broken, and I don't think we should do anything until we fix the cost of tuition um, in general. I think the student loan forgiveness has been a discussion since the 70s, since loans really started. I don't know that that is the solution long term. Uh, you know, some of the things that need to get fixed at the Department of Education especially this new recount they're doing around the payments and um, actually following the rules. I'm a big fan of that. I think the hard part is, that just like we're talking about Social Security, there's no one great answer to fixing the, the student loan crisis. So what you're saying that part of the problem is the universities are charging too much because they know it's going to get paid for by student loans. Is that How would you break that cycle? Well, the first thing is, if we actually got to a point where your investment in college needed to have a return on investment and say, okay, I'm getting something out of it. It would change the way colleges look at things, you know, where it'd be more job related. It would be at a reasonable price. It would be more apprenticeship programs. It would be more, you know, integrated with employers. There's a lot of things we can do to improve the, the situation versus just going to college to get a degree. And, and I say as somebody with a PhD, I, you know, but I went a different path. I went from no degree to PhD in five and a half years. I did my bachelor's in nine months. And the entire thing cost me less than $9,000, you know, because I, I gamed the system. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you're saying that the, the costs are just too high for college these days, and there's not really a break on it uh, because they can keep charging more and people just keep taking on more student loan debt to pay it. Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure how you can afford it, you know, in the current environment. Well, people are going into debt. That's what they're doing and taking out home equity loans and loans against their life insurance and whatever is not bolted down, they borrow against to, to get them through because the tuitions keep going up. Well, and, and they are literally mortgaging their future. Yes. It just is what it is. I mean, and, you know, I, I've worked with people that came out of school. I had somebody recently came out of school, finished a graduate degree, got $200,000 in student loans. They're making 60 grand a year. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that math doesn't work. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm good at finance, but I just can't do anything without some of the forgiveness programs, other things. And the answer for them was, hey, you got to go, you know, they have to be a social worker and I have to go work 
as a social worker in a rural area where they can get a grant for their student loan. I mean, there's there's ways around it, but I mean, I'm not sure how you you swing a six-figure loan just coming out of college. So these are all issues that childless people don't have to worry about, is what you're saying? Oh, they do, because they have their own loans. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're just not taking on their kids' loans. So that's, that's better. Well, they can't afford it. <laughs> they have their own to take care of. Well, the parents with kids can't afford it anyway either, and they're taking on loans. Doesn't mean they should be. <laughs> Very good. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jay Zygmunt. He's the founder of Child Free Wealth. You can find out more at his website, childfreewealth.com, and his book is called Portraits of Child Free Wealth, 26 Stories About How Being Child Free Impacts Your Life, Wealth, and Finances. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jay Zygmunt. He's the founder of Child Free Wealth. His website, childfreewealth.com. His book is called Portraits of Child Free Wealth. 26 stories about how being child-free impacts your life, wealth, and finances. Welcome back to the show, Jay. Hey, I'm ready. Let's have some more fun. So I just hear that uh, we just had Child-Free Wealth Day, and you did something about it and got some reaction. Tell me about it. Yeah, so August 1st is International Child-Free Day. It was actually the 50th anniversary. It originally started off as the Non-Parents Day. And to celebrate, we actually sponsored a billboard in Times Square celebrating what it's like to live a child-free life. And and it's interesting seeing the reactions. You know, anytime I post anything about being child-free, you know, I get people praying for my souls. I have more people praying for my soul than you know what to do and and judging and making comments. And, 
you know, it is just what it is. But I think the hard part is, you know, 25% of the U.S. is child-free, but it's one of the last groups it's okay to judge and, you know, pick on. So when you're praying for your soul, what does that mean? They think you're doing something uh, guilty and you're going to end up in hell? I mean, what, are they, what, what does that mean, praying for your soul? So you got to keep in mind, I run a life and financial planning firm for child-free folks in Mississippi is where my, I'm located. Uh, we're, we're located here because of uh, career choices. But I will tell you, in a post-Roe world, there's a lot of judgment around reproductive rights and privacy and other things. And, and if you post, hey, I'm here to serve child-free people. I posted, hey, you know, I had somebody join my team. Here's what she's doing. And she, they're like, oh, we're praying for your childless souls. This is not the right path. I had somebody, okay, so th this person posted that we are a pawn of the global psyop to depopulate, depopulate the world. And I'm like, dude, what are you smoking? Like, I, I mean, like, I'm like, you know, you're making all this judgment. What they don't know is my wife has a 50-50 chance of dying if she gets pregnant. It made our choice very simple. But they don't know that. They just start judging it. You know, oh, you hate kids. And I'm like, dude, I didn't say any of that. I just said people who are child-free should have financial support that matches them. So we did have in the last year this major decision overturning Roe versus Wade, meaning a lot of women in the past who might have gotten abortions, either it's impossible or very, very difficult for them to do that. Their state has banned it. Is that going to create a lot of uh, kids being born that are not going to be well taken care of? I have no clue on that. I think my concern is more on the privacy. I mean, so I'm in Mississippi, Mississippi, which is where the uh, Dobbs case came from. And our governor came out publicly and said, hey, I'm not reading your mail or tapping your phones, but. And I'm like, but what? And it became a privacy concern. I actually had to redo my entire company, move it from being under the state to move it under being SEC, grow the company and, and make some big changes, investments, just to protect the privacy of my clients because they could be targeted. I mean, I don't know what, you know, there, there's not a great answer on that. Targeted for what? I mean, for, I don't understand what they would be targeted for. For reproductive rights. I mean, in Mississippi, the, the governor was asked, hey, are you going to outlaw contraception? And he said, well, we're not looking at that at this moment. You uh -huh. know, the, these reproductive rights and, and just basic contraception, basic privacy are at risk in many states. You know, in their states, you know, like, for example, in Texas, if you move out, if you go out of state for an abortion, that's a that's a ten thousand dollar bounty uh, on your head. Well, if you move out of state for your reproductive rights, is that legal? I don't know. Wyoming was trying to do that. a few other states were trying to say, hey, you, you can't leave the state for reproductive rights. That's a big issue. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So tell people a little bit about what they can find if they go to your website, childfreewealth.com. Yeah, so at our website, we have a couple different things. If you want to check out our new course, it's called the Eight No Baby Steps Program. It's childfreewealth.com slash steps. We actually have created a, a basic finance program that builds in the concept of, hey, what happens if you don't have kids? You know, if you look at other programs, you know, whatever, the Ramsey, Dave Ramsey's or Susie Orman or whatever, they all assume you're going to have kids. All of our content is for people who don't have kids, aren't planning on having kids. We also have one-on-one uh, -on -one uh, you know, personalized service with the CFP. And we also have a self-directed financial planning process and 15 courses, 100 videos, all that specifically for child-free folks. So as a certified financial planner, the only people you'll take on are those who don't have kids, is that right? 
the only parents I take on right now are the parents of my child-free folks. So I do a bit of work with the elder generations, you know, because frankly, my child-free clients are going to have to deal with how do they take care of their parents. You know, they, they talk about the sandwich generation, people raising their kids and their parents at the same time. Well, we are the open-faced sandwich. We're taking care of our parents, but we don't have any kids to raise. I see. Okay, great. Good. So in your book, you have portraits of 26 different people uh, and how being child-free kind of affects their um, lifestyle and their finances. Let's just kind of dip into a few of them. The first one is Allison. Why don't you kind of tell us about how Allison's being affected and you think positively about not having kids. So Allison's really interesting. I interviewed her. Uh, she's a truck driver and she was um, driving at the time and she said her goal was to be a lady of leisure. And, and it's been actually a post that uh, quite a few child-free folks are interested. You know, she's trying to find that balance. She might get married, might not. She's trying to make some money while she's driving uh, a truck so that she can then live the life she wants to live. But what's interesting about this, people often, when they judge child-free folks, like, oh, they'll change their mind. She's 22, but she, man, she is not changing her mind, which is really interesting to see somebody that young say, yep, I've made my decision and I'm sticking with it. And to see the example is great. In many cases, people are deciding explicitly not to have kids for financial reasons. They say, we don't think we can afford it. We can't bring a kid into this world and not be able to support them. Is that a main reason why people are not having kids these days? So I did a study on this. Part of uh, when I was working on this paper, uh, on this book, I, I did a study of 299 child-free folks to ask the question, why did you choose to be child-free? And now keep in mind, there are people that it's not by choice also. But what I found was most people picked more than one reason. The number one reason at 38% was just never wanted children, just like never existed in their, their brain. Then we go to finances, freedom. The interesting ones are a little bit further down where people are like, hey, I'm not having kids because of the environment, because of medical issues, because of mental health. I don't want to pass on trauma, you know, all different types of things that are very valid reasons to choose not to have kids. And, and yeah, I mean, let's be real, about 14% just don't like kids, but that's a minority. There's often pressure from parents to become grandparents, right? Is that something you have to resist if you become There's pressure from parents to grandparents, all that. I mean, let me give you a silly example of this. So my wife and I went to get married and uh, she wanted to get married in Catholic Church where she grew up. We went down and said, hey, we're gonna get married. They said, well, you gotta agree to raise your kids Catholic. We said, yeah, no problem. We'll agree to raise them Catholic because we're not gonna have them. <laughs> and they said, oh, no, no, no. You have to agree to have kids and raise them Catholic. Three churches later, we couldn't get married in a Catholic church. So, yeah, you're required. Required. And you didn't you know, meet the requirements. No, and, and it's, it's interesting because you say, well, family, well, yeah, family is always going to be a pressure and different things. And some families accept it, some don't. But, I mean, what do you do when you're, when you're religious saying, hey, you can't even get, get married here unless you agree to have kids? So if you agreed to have kids and didn't, would they come back and punish you and send you to hell or something? And what would be the, the punishment if you didn't keep your, your pledge? No clue, but I'm not lying to a priest. <laughs> okay, you, you took care of that one. So you went to the Justice of the Peace, or how did you get this done? No, we got married in a Methodist church where I grew up, and they were perfectly fine with it. <laughs> they didn't care about it. But I, I think it's, it's just a, one of those things. When I was working on the book, 
I had a lot of people say to me, I did not realize that having a kid was a choice or not until later in my life. Because it was just like an assumption, you know, and there's a lot of things on religion and culture and family, and, and they're all intertwined. But where, you know, they're raised, you're going to be a good wife, you're going to be a good mom, you're going to be all this stuff that's expected. And if you go against the grain, well, you know, it, it doesn't always work out so well. I'm thinking particularly of like the Jewish families that really emphasize having a lot of kids, the Hasidic and so on. Uh, there's just tremendous pressure in a case like that, right? Uh, it's all different types of cultures. You know, I've had this discussion. So I had a discussion with somebody who was from the Mormon community and their whole identity was around family and the generations and the celestial kingdom and all that. And it was interesting because in the discussion, you know, they were choosing not to have kids, but they're like, Hey, I wish I almost couldn't have kids because then it would have been more acceptable, but it's really a shame that, you know, they're, they're being shunned by their families and others, but because of their choice. So it's driving people out of religion to some extent for people who don't want to have kids. And out of communities, you know, because I think the challenge is you have to fit the norm of that community or else something is wrong. You know, I get child-free folks get judged because they bought a house that's got three bedrooms. Well, me and my wife have three bedrooms, not because of kids, because we each have our own office. Like, well, you should give up that house for somebody who has kids. I'm like, nope, I should have whatever I want too. <laughs> A lot of judgment out there, huh? Hooey. And I'll tell you, it, it does matter by region. You know, so I've lived all across the U.S. And I'll tell you, in the Northeast, it's not so bad. Midwest, it's pretty rough. A lot of religious. Down here in the South, it's an interesting world uh, in a post-world world. Uh, one of your portraits is of Aurora, a portrait of getting started. Just tell us briefly about her story. Yeah, so Aurora is one of those kind of like, trying to find her place in the world. And I think the hard part there is the there's a standard life plan. And if you're not following it, it's like, what do I do with my life? And we don't really have a great way to help people go, all right, you threw away the standard life plan. What's next? You get stuck. You know, it, right now, the whole society is created around these steps that you're expected to do. And when you don't, you know, uh, you, you, technically the word is you deviate from the plan, you end up as a deviant, and that's just not right. You know, and it can be kind of a challenge, and, and Aurora changes, you know, explains, hey, she's trying to find herself and her place in the world, and that's challenging. So you help people in that circumstance as a financial planner? Absolutely. What I do, I call it life and financial planning, because I think your life and your finances are intertwined, specifically if you're child-free. And without knowing what you want for your life plan, the finances don't matter. You figure out the life first is, you know, the old Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind. Indeed. Very good. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jay Zygmunt. He is the founder of Child Free Wealth. Uh, his website we talked about a little bit is called childfreewealth.com. His book is Portraits of Child Free Wealth, 26 stories about being child free, about how being child free impacts your life, wealth, and finances. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? 
Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jay Zygmunt, founder of Child Free Wealth. His website, childfreewealth.com, and his book, Portraits of Child Free Wealth. Welcome back to the show, Jay. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime I can talk about child refinances, I'll take the opportunity. All right, so we're just going to talk about some of the portraits. You have Catherine, who you call a portrait of fear. What did you learn about her? Yeah, so here's the, the, the hard part is when you start asking this question about, well, what do I want to do with my life? She was actually on this path of like, well, do I want to be an artist? Do I want to go back to work? Do I want to follow, you know, start a business? Where do I want to go? And I hear that a lot from child-free folks because we have more options. There actually becomes this analysis paralysis routine of the paradox of choice saying like, I have too many options and what do I do? And it's interesting when you get in the discussion of, you know, what, you know, where do you want to go with your life? I ask everybody kind of, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it has nothing to do with age. It's just a, you know, kind of a tongue in cheek way to explain it. And people go, I don't know. Well, I'd like to do this or I'd like to do that. And I'm like, well, let's do that. And they go, well, but I can't. And the question is, well, why? And this is where we're going to this fear. And we go, well, is it a fear of success or a fear of failure? You know, are we saying, hey, I'm worried I'm not going to be able to do it? Or am I worried I'm going to be in a different life than the one I'm living now? And Catherine's a great example of having these debates and trying to figure out what matters for her in life and, and what's going on. And it's interesting to see people struggle because a lot of times in books, they talk about only like the, the successes and the people that have, you know, made millions, but we've all been there. We've all had those moments of struggle and fear and it's really refreshing to see somebody share it. So you're saying when people do have kids, it gives them a certain sense of mission uh, and purpose in life that people without kids don't have. It's not necessarily his mission and purpose. It's just there's an expectation and there's a, a, a well-tread path for that. You know, so if you ask a lot of parents and adults in the 40s and 50s how they got to where they got to, they go, I don't know. I just went to school. I went I took a job and then I had an opportunity. And, and they get to their 40s and they go, well, how the heck did I get here? And the answer is they just followed the normal path. We call it the standard life plan or the standard script. Well, when you throw away that script, it's like, well, what's next? You know, like, for example, if you're not trying to save for the next generation, you can actually retire a whole lot earlier, do different things with your money that other people can't. It's not better or worse. It's more flexible, but it's that flexibility itself brings its own challenges. You know, where if we want to get like all scientific and you know, we start talking about Maslow's hierarchy needs, child-free folks are working on the, uh, the upper levels of self-actualization 
know, they hit what we call the child-free midlife crisis. So they hit the personal, professional, financial goals. And then what? Well, with parents, when you hit that point, you pass that on to your kids and you start working on their goals. Mm-hmm. If you don't have somebody to pass it on to, it's like, well, what does it mean? You know, what's my impact? What's my legacy? We start, you know, wrestling with some of those tough questions early. Yes, yes. Okay, you have Cindy, who's a portrait of caring. What is the story you learned with from her? So Cindy's really interesting. Her and her husband were caring for her father and her and and her parents. And it's a really interesting discussion because child-free folks, we call it the, the child-free uh, financial bingo. And the way it works is it says, well, you don't have kids, so you can take care of mom, dad, whatever. And in, in this case, her husband actually quit his job to take care of her her father and work through all the medical issues and everything and really making good sacrifices, good sacrifices for them to take care of their family. And this is a continual story that we see in the child-free community of, of the child-free folks taking care of their parents. And it's just nice to see Cindy. Cindy's one of those that said, hey, you know what? I would do it again if I had to. I don't worry about the money I put aside. Don't worry about the career I put aside. It was the right thing to do. And it's a great story of just caring for each other. But on the flip side, I have other people where it's like, hey, I was forced to care for my parents and it's a different world. Yeah, but the sandwich generation problem is real. People who have to care for their parents and kids at the same time, it kind of doubles the, the burden. Is that right? It makes the burden different, you know? So. I, you know, we call it the open face sandwich and I, I was working with a reporter and they asked the question, why is Gen X so stressed about their money? And I happen to be in Gen X and it's because we're taking care of our parents. You know, like, I mean, if your parents didn't plan for finances, it's hard. My, my mother's been disabled since the time I was about 16 when she had her first heart attack. I've been carrying her for most of my life. It's just part of my life, part of the plan. But it takes its toll both emotionally and financially. And there's a concept of caregiver fatigue of you can only give so much. Yeah, yeah. You have a portrait of Greg, which you call logic and fire. What did you learn from him? So Greg's an accountant and like seriously, everything just has a purpose. And we talk about um, learning styles and everything. And he's one of those practical people where everything is about logic. And if you look at the logic and the math of having kids, as he did, the answer is no, the math doesn't work out. Now, by the way, there's a lot more to having kids than just the math. But I think it's interesting to see somebody. I mean, it's no surprise that he and his wife are accountants. You know, they're very logical. They have lists for everything, steps through it. It's very interesting to see somebody's uh, mindset when it's purely mechanical and logical. And it's just to me, I'm like, oh, no reason. I I wonder if he became an accountant because he's that logical or he's logical because he's an accountant. I'm not sure it's chicken and the egg, but it really is interesting to see people that can just talk about it as a pro-con list and, you know, check, check marks. Do you think that's a good idea that people before they have kids kind of logically say, you know, what's the cost that's going to be and how can we pay for it and be very analytical about it? You know, I think there's a lot of things that have to go into it. You know, it's not even fi- it's not only finances. I think some of the interesting discussions, because finances, you don't always know where you're going to end up, but some things like your genetics, passing on your own uh, medical issues or, you know, family traumas or other things where we should be having those discussions first about how have kids or not. And the best I ever heard for an explanation, 
uh, somebody I worked with, they said it this way. He said, well, you know, we're kind of what we call fence sitters. Not sure if they're going to have kids or not. But they had decided as a couple that it had to be hell yes for both of them. If, if like one's like, eh, and one's like, I really want to have kids, that's not hell yes on both sides. And, and that's really the thought process that, that should go on is making a conscious choice to say, yes, we both want this definitely. And that doesn't always fit. In many cases, couples, one is gung-ho and one is kind of not so gung-ho. That could cause problems, I guess. Well, there's an example in the book. So Ryan in there, um, he's child-free. His wife said, hey, she's child-free, and then changed her mind. It's really interesting to see it. And, and he explained it this way. He actually said, all right, she changed her mind. Um, he kind of debated it. He said, well, I'd rather her get what she wants and me be miserable than not have – then have her be miserable. And they ended up trying to have kids for fertility reasons they couldn't. But, you know, it, it is one of those things. It, it's hard. I mean, the way I look at it is the secret to happy marriage is compatible baggage. You know, everybody's got baggage in a marriage and you have to choose what fits and what doesn't. For some people, having a kid is, is compatible. And some people, it's not. And that's okay. Yeah. In the short time we have left, why don't you kind of summarize difference it would make in people's lives to kind of make these decisions on having kids or not in a rational way instead of kind of just falling into it the way many people do. You know, um, there's some interesting research that looks at the amount of thought that goes into having kids. And it's all preliminary at this point, but they're finding that child-free folks put more thought into not having kids than parents might put into having kids. And part of that is the question of the default choice and the family and the, the culture and the religion, everything else we're talking about. And I think if we were to actually sit down and have this conversation, you know, each family might have their, their own answer and what's right for them might be different for somebody else and that's okay. I think the, the reality check is if people were more mindful about having kids or not, they would first figure out their life plan, their financial plan, all the other components that go along with it, then do it, which for some piece of people would say, hey, they're moving, you know, it'll be later in their life. You know, I was having a debate with another financial planner and her take on was, you know, and she has kids and she said, well, I want to talk to women in their, you know, 30s and say, hey, you're running out of time. And I said, well, no, that's not appropriate. It's not appropriate for a financial planner to, to you know, put in a vote on which way it should go. I think where we can help is to help them as a sounding board and say, okay, here is the impact on your life, and then let them make their choice. It's a big difference. And, and people should not be pressured by the social pressures as much as they are, you're saying. That's, that's not helpful. It, they should be able to live their own life. It, you know, I, over and over, my, my argument is it's not better or worse, it's just different. And that's okay. And if it fits for one person, great. And if it doesn't for the other person, that's okay too. I mean, maybe maybe I'm a little bit too much of a libertarian at heart and just saying, you know, everybody should have their own choices and their own bodily autonomy and their own way to do it. You know, they shouldn't be pressured by you know, the environment, the patriarchy, the, the life, all the other things, and just be able to be themselves. And we would have fewer kids if we did that probably. Well, thanks so well, much. Would you rather have fewer kids to people that, you know, want to have them or not? You know, that's the, the, the end result. Yeah, very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Jay Zygmunt. He's the founder of Child Free Wealth. His website is childfreewealth.com. His book is called Portraits of Child Free Wealth, 26 stories about how being child free impacts your life, 
wealth and finances. We just gave you one or two examples from the book, and you can find out more at his website again, childfreewealth.com. Thanks so much, Jay. I think we learned a lot about uh, this whole situation of uh, having a child or not. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.